The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. In Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 4, we read that Jesus was made so much better than the angels. But then over in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 7, we see that he was made a little lower than the angels. In this message, which I've entitled, So Much More Than and A Little Lower Than, we're going to see how these two verses reconcile. In the reconciliation of these two verses, there's a glorious truth about the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ and his power and purity and his position and his willingness to condescend to become man and to die on the cross for the sins of all of his people. Join us today and tomorrow as we take a look at this wonderful topic, so much better than and a little lower than. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. Out in the cold world, away from God, no signs of Well. 
I'd ask that you turn to the first chapter of the book of Hebrews. As you turn there, I'll go ahead and confess to you, I said this to Sherry on the way up to Vestavia this morning, that I have gotten into a rut lately in my studies and in my preaching. <laughs> uh, I think it's a good rut, though. I don't think it's a bad rut, but I can't get away from the first and second chapters of Hebrews. They seem to be just captivating to me lately. And I hope this is of the Lord tonight because I want to preach to you from the first and the second chapters on the topic of so much better than and a little lower than. So much better than and a little lower than. Now, in the first chapter of the book of Hebrews, we find this statement in verse 4. After giving us quite a bit of background or a foundation, if you will, about the Lord Jesus Christ and how, and by the way, the, the whole theme of the book of Hebrews could be boiled down to one word, better, better. What we have in Christ is better than what they had under the law. The worship we have in Christ in the age of grace is better than the worship they had under the temple worship of the law. But ultimately, Christ is the reason that everything is better. And that's sort of the theme, as I said, of the book of Hebrews. But after laying the groundwork here, the little foundation, we get down to verse 4. In speaking of Christ, he says this about him. Being made so much better than the angels. So much better than the angels. And then over in chapter 2, and as we continue the thought all the way from this verse through chapter 2, and indeed through the whole book about Christ, being the centerpiece of salvation, of creation, of everything in the whole existence of the universe. He comes down here and he says in verse 9, But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels. So Lord being my helper tonight, I want us to talk about these two verses that seem to contradict on the face of it, but ultimately teach us a glorious truth about our Savior. So going back to verse 4 of chapter 1, we're told that he was made so much better than the angels. Now, I, I want us to think about the angels for a minute and think about our, our understanding, which is limited, I know, but it's based on the Scripture, but it's limited because we haven't experienced it like some people in the Scriptures in the Bible days did. But think about the angels and how much better the angels are than us. You know, I got to tell you, I believe if an angel walked through that door tonight or appeared suddenly down here in front of us, it would be extremely tempting for us to fall down on our faces before that angel and even possibly to attempt to worship that angel. In fact, that happened several times in scriptures where someone saw an angel, even John the Revelator. Even John, who was the one who was the disciple closest to the Lord Jesus Christ, laid his head on Jesus' breast when he was caught up into the heavens and given these visions. There was a time when he uh, wanted to worship an angel, and the angel said, Don't do that. Get up. I'm just, I'm just an angel. I'm, not, I'm, I'm, not, I'm no different than you in the sense that I'm created too. It would be tempting. And I'll tell you this, beloved. This is, you say, well... I'm not in danger of this kind of temptation, but, but I got I to gotta say to you, I believe it would be very tempting if an angel came in here and sort of bumped me out of the pulpit and said, hey, I'm going to preach. First of all, <laughs> I'd probably say, sure, <laughs> go ahead. 
because I certainly am no, nothing to compare to an angel. But, but if that angel got up here and started saying things like, I know the Bible says this, but I know that the Lord said it's this way, but I want to tell you some new information that's a little different than what the Bible teaches. Now, I'm going to tell you, you say, oh, I'd never do that. You would think about being in the presence of an angel, this glorious being, a fearful being. We're, we'll talk about that in a minute, but angels aren't somebody you walk up to and slap on the back and say, hey, old buddy, old pal. <laughs> in fact, the first thing, the first, we'll go ahead and talk about it now, the first thing that most, you see that most angels had to do when they appeared to men was say, fear not. You know why? Because men were afraid of them. <laughs> They were terrified. When the angel appeared to the shepherds on the hillsides of Judea there to announce the birth of Christ, they weren't all excited and, 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 and in, in anticipation and joy. They were sore afraid. And the angel had to say, fear not, you know. So there's going to be some fear if an angel appears. There's going to be something glorious about that angel. And it's going to be tempting to say, oh, well, wait a minute now. We better listen to this, this guy. This guy's got some information. In fact, there's an entire religion based upon the alleged appearance of an angel. And quite frankly, I don't have any reason to disbelieve that maybe an angel did appear to Joseph Smith. Maybe he did. I don't know. Maybe he made it up. Maybe he did appear. But what Joseph Smith forgot about if the angel indeed did appear to him and give him another testament of Jesus Christ, is he forgot about what Paul the Apostle said in the first chapter of Galatians. Paul, see, if an angel in heaven appeared here today and started preaching something other than what's in this scripture, you better reject it out of hand. I don't care how glorious it is because the Bible says through the Apostle Paul, he said, if I are an angel from heaven... Preach any other gospel than the gospel I've delivered to you. Let him be accursed. Beloved, that applies to men, certainly, but it applies even to the angels. I don't know if this, again, I don't mean to pick on Joseph Smith and his followers, but I'll just say to you that even if, I will even grant you that maybe an angel appeared unto him, but that does not change anything. Because the angel contradicted the things that are in the scripture and they needed to be rejected out of hand. And I hope you'll remember that when you're dealing with anyone who promotes that idea. By the way, when I say angel, I don't mean a faithful angel. I mean a fallen angel. I want to make that clear. If an angel did appear to Joseph Smith, it was a fallen angel. What we would call a demon today. But angels are truly amazing. Angels are amazing. They... Uh, they, they, if they come, when they come down here, they're, they're something that's, that's easy to worship if we're not careful. And in fact, as I've done a little research on this, they're under the ancient Gnosticism. You remember the Gnostics were those that said Jesus really didn't appear in the flesh. He was just a spirit. They hated, they felt like flesh was evil and wicked. And I know that the flesh that Paul's talking about in Romans chapter 7, he's saying, I, I find that in me that is in my flesh, there, there, is, there dwelleth no good thing. Uh, I understand that there is a sense in which the carnal man and the carnal mind is wicked, but, but the truth of the matter is these bodies we're in, are just, we're in are just vessels. They're just vessels. They house the real us. But they're just vessels. Now, one day, these vessels will be glorified. And we will be in heaven in our flesh. 
In our bodies, we will see the Lord, but it'll be a glorified body, Brother Craig. It won't be these old, old sin-cursed bodies that are deteriorating slowly and more, more quickly than some of us. And, uh, but, but you see, the Gnostics believed that only spirit uh, was good and anything else was bad, and therefore Jesus couldn't have come into this world and become a man. And they also worshipped angels. They worshipped angels. And I believe that's one reason over in Colossians 2.18, Paul said, Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshipping of angels. Apparently, worshipping angels had become a thing. By the way, it might not be worshipping angels that we see today, but don't we see in at least one or two religions the worship of saints, the elevation of men, who have died to the, to the position of being worshipped. I say to you, don't let anybody beguile you into worshipping saints. No more than they can beguile you into worshipping angels. So, but <clears throat> angels are amazing. But we're told here in verse 4 that Jesus Christ was made so much better than the angels. So let's talk about that just for a few minutes here. How, how was he... So much better than the angels. Well, he was better than the angels in his position. Notice notice here in verse 4, he said, Being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a a more excellent name than they, for unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee, and again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. So one way in which Jesus Christ is so much better than the angels is that, that he is the son of God while they are merely the servants of God. He is the son of God. And, and notice that it says in verse uh, 7 here, it says, Of the angels he saith, who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. Down in verse 14, he describes the angels as ministering spirits sent forth to minister to them which shall be heirs of salvation. These angels are servants. Minister literally means servant or one who serves publicly, someone in public service. You see, the angels serve the Lord and they serve him, by the way, instantaneously and perfectly. They do. You know, I always think about that appearance of the angel to the, uh, to the shepherds. You know, I, we read about, I don't, I don't pretend to know all the details of what heaven's going to be like. No, anybody that does, you can just reject them out of hand. They don't know. But I'll tell you, we get a little glimpse every once in a while. We, we see seraphim, and we see cherubim, and we see, we see places where they're crying out, holy, holy, holy. We see places where they're worshiping the Lord around his, and they're around his throne room. They are able, they are created beings who are able to go into the very presence of God. They can, you know, you and I, we can't go into the presence of God as we are. Moses was told that if, if, if I appear to you, Moses... You can't do it. You'd be obliterated. <laughs> no man can see me and live. He, and in fact, it's amazing, isn't it, that even, even the backside of God is more glorious than most people can stand. <laughs> Moses had to be hidden in the cleft of the rock, and God said, I'll let you see the backside of my glory. My hinder parts you can see. And when he came down the mountain, even the hinder parts of God had, had marked him in such a way that the people around him couldn't stand to look at him. He was, his countenance shone so brightly. I want to say to you, beloved, there's a reason we have to be born again. And there's a reason that 
It's only our spirits that go to be in his presence when we die here. And there's a reason that ultimately for our bodies to be in his presence, they have to be transformed. (laughs) You see, it's because we can't take it. We can't stand it. We would be obliterated in the presence of God. But the angels are able to be there. They're in the presence of God. And I love that, that account of where the angel appeared to the shepherds upon the occasion of the birth of Christ. And it says that an angel appeared unto them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were so afraid. I know I've shared this with you before, but I always, I always think about the coyote and the roadrunner. <laughs> I do. I think about, you know, when the, that roadrunner, some of you are too young to remember the coyote and the roadrunner cartoons, but, but the, go, go look them up on YouTube sometime. But that roadrunner would come speeding in and he would come flying into a place and he would stop and when he would stop, there would be trash and, and, and trees and leaves and signposts sign and all this stuff following right behind him because he was going so fast he just took them with him, you know. And, and I think about when that angel appeared to the shepherds there and it says the glory of the Lord shone round about him. That angel was no doubt in the very presence of the throne room of God and God said, go tell him. And he instantaneously, he didn't go on a long journey somewhere. He didn't take years and years to get there. He instantaneously appeared where God said to go and it's like that road run. He carried some of the glory of the throne room of God with him. Can you imagine the glory of the Lord shining around him? I can't even fathom that, but that's what happened. The glory of the Lord, it wasn't the glory of the angel, the glory of the Lord shone round about him. And they were sore afraid. Those angels are ministering spirits. So, you know, there's a reason that he said in our, uh, the prayer, the model prayer, that we should pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because in heaven it's done like that. Instantaneous obedience. Instantaneous obedience, but as glorious and obedient as those angels are, he is the Son of God. He is the Son of God. Back up with me to the very first verse here of Hebrews 1. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, who were faithful servants, no doubt, But notice now, he hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. You know why he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high? Because he was the Son of God. God does not give that. You know, there was a time when the James and John's mama came and said, can't they sit on your right hand and left? And he said, you don't know what you're asking, first of all. And he said, that's not reserved for you. Because <laughs> you see, the Lord Jesus Christ was going to be seated on the right hand of the Father. By the way, if he is truly the Son of God, then that means he is truly God. He is truly God. You see, well, we'll come back to that in a minute because there's something else I want to talk about first. But to understand that we're not talking about a created being. We're talking about the eternal Son of God. He is the Son of God. The angels are just servants of God. Notice also there's something important about him that will be important in a few minutes when we talk about that other verse. He is begotten of God. They are created by God okay they are created notice it says thou art my son 
this day have I begotten thee. And down in verse 6, he says, he calls him the first begotten, the first begotten. You know, over in John 3.16, at least in the King James Version, I'll come back to that in a moment, but at least in the King James Version, the authorized version, he's called the only begotten Son of God. The only begotten Son of God. Now, let me just go ahead and say something about that. That, that phrase, only begotten Son, occurs five times in the scriptures. Four times is in relation to Jesus. One time it's in relation to Isaac. And I'm just going to pick on the New International Version. Did you know that, that term, only begotten Son, doesn't appear anywhere? Nowhere. You know, what, you know what they substitute for it? They say in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. His one and only Son. Now let me just say to you, there's a real theological issue with that. Right. A real problem with that. Because if Jesus Christ is his one and only son, then we're just left out in the cold. Because we're called the sons of God. Remember what he said? How, what love, how great a love he has for us that we should be called the sons of God. We are, he's not the one and only son of God. He's, he's not the only one who's a child, who, who is called a son of God. We are sons of God. We are sons and daughters of God. But I'll tell you, beloved, he is the only begotten son of God. And that makes a difference. There's a theological issue with that. Plus it also, you know, one of the problems with the new translations is they try to do away with his humanity as much as they try to do away with his deity. They take, they take some issues away, uh, some phrases away that both ele uh, elevate his deity and elevate his humanity. And, and they, they just merge them all and blur the lines. I want to tell you, beloved, he is the eternal begotten Son of God. And by the way, He is the eternal Son of God. He didn't just become the Son of God when He was born into this world. You can turn back, well, you don't have to now tonight, but read the first chapter of Luke sometime, especially focus on verse 35, because when the angel's talking to, uh, I believe he's talking to Mary there, but he says, uh, that thing which is, that holy thing which is conceived in her shall be called the Son of God. He didn't say he'll become the Son of God. He shall be called the Son of God. He didn't, he didn't become the Son of God. We're told in Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 4, you say, well, there's nothing about the Son of God in the Old Testament. Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 4 says, who hath ascended up into heaven or descended? Who hath gathered the wind in his fists? Who hath bound the waters in a garment? Who hath established all the ends of the earth? Clearly he's talking about God here. He says, what is his name and what is his son's name? If thou canst tell. Beloved, the Son of God has always been the Son of God. We're told Jesus Christ was the same yesterday and today and forever. If he's ever been the Son of God, he's always been the Son of God. Now, I know that's, that's not really been a big uh, heresy afflicting our people lately, but it, it came around at one time. It was a problem at one time that people would teach that, well, he was, all, he was always the eternal word, but he didn't become the Son until he was born into this world. Well, beloved, I'll tell you this. He's always been the Son of God from the very beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You see, we'll leave it there, but there's, there's a lot more we could say about that. But just don't ever let anybody mislead you into thinking that Jesus Christ hasn't always been the Son of God. He is so much better than the angels because he's the only begotten 
Son of God. They are created beings. They were created in the creation. And one more point before we leave this topic. Saying that he is the begotten Son of God does not mean that he had a beginning. He has always been the Son of God. He's the eternal Son of God. He is very God, and he's existed just as God because he is God. He has always existed. And by the way, coming back to what we mentioned earlier, another way in which he is better than the angels, so much better than the angels, he is truly God, and they worship him as God. Notice that by virtue of his being the Son of God, it is established that he is truly God. Back over in the fifth chapter of John, when the Pharisees were, uh, were finding fault in him, one of the things they found fault with in verse 18 is that he called himself the Son of God. And by saying that, by saying God was his Father, they said, you're making yourself equal with God. They understood it. They understood that the Son of God was equal with God. We, we, need, uh, we, we need the authorized King James Version because it doesn't leave out 1 John 5 and verse 7, although it's taught in other places. But in 1 John 5 and verse 7, it's the clearest teaching of the Trinity and the fact that God is one God, but he manifests in three persons which are all equally God. He said in, uh, there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father and the Word and the Holy Ghost, and there's no hierarchy. He said these three are one. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.